travellers, and welcome to podcast 170 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And as promised, we're going to continue our journey into the future of travel. Where will we all be going in 2053? But first, Simon, let's compare respective travel notes, because unusually, I've actually been somewhere. (laughs) Uh, A little known part of the good old Costa Brava, I think it's fair to say, at least here in the UK. And uh, I gather that uh, you have been back on the high seas. How was it? And any lessons to share with uh, other travellers? I was on a little cruise that set off from Southampton, and it's very pleasant. I know that you know Southampton very well. Um, a fine, fine old city. Um, took a bit of a beating in the Second World War, but it, the ship went to Le Havre. Ditto. Absolutely flattened in the Second World War, particularly in September 1944, and rebuilt in the spirit of, well, it depends who you want to, um, uh, to, to to respect. An architect called Pere created the most magnificent church, um, St. Joseph's. Um, he also built an awful lot of places which look quite a lot like Crawley or East Germany, the two being quite congruent. But a fascinating location. And then this same ship went to another place which was flattened. So it could have been was that styled? The well, no, Is it wasn't. Um, it, but but uh, it could have been because you got Southampton, you got Le Havre, and then Rotterdam, which has some ah. magnificent modern architecture. But that's because um, well, there wasn't much left after uh, the the Second World War. But some great discoveries there as well. In particular, a really well run municipal water bus, which in about forty minutes takes you to the middle of uh, idyllic Netherlands bliss, where you've got this parade of UNESCO heritage windmills. And then uh, for another bit of Dutch heritage, I went to have a look around the SS Rotterdam, which um, um, quite like us was born in 1957 and hasn't (laughs) changed much since then. Um, Meanwhile, you've been to Jansa, a place I do not know, but I'm dying to hear about what what led you there. Um, well, partly because um, it was there, dear boy. Um, uh, I'd never been there before. And also, it was a great deal cheaper than going to Cadaqués, of course, ah. famous for the Dali brand, which is about um, 30 kilometres away and about 30 times more expensive to do anything in. Did you uh, fly into Perpignan or into Girona? Uh, Girona, yeah, very smooth. Actually, did something I don't think I've ever done before, which was instead of um, uh, rushing against the clock to the uh, the cheapest car hire place I could, and then driving through the night to uh, my destination, I decided um, to stay at an airport hotel, oh. um, which is called the Salies Hotel, and I cannot tell you how nice it was. <laughs> um, it was absolutely lovely. First of all, they came and collected us from the airport. I mean, it was only about a kilometre away, so it wasn't such a big deal for them. Also, the food was very nice. The people um, serving it were absolutely charming. Um, the, the, our waiter actually turned down a tip that I gave him. And he <laughs> said, "He said we." Uh, he said, 
know, I get paid to do this job. I don't need anything no. else. In a perfectly nice way. Absolutely charming. And it also <laughs> had a very decent swimming pool, which we were able to avail ourselves of the next morning before getting a lift from the hotel minibus to the car hire um, uh, place and, um, and, and carrying on with the original plan. This sounds like the miracle of the airport hotel. I will get all the details from you and I can't wait to try it out myself because, of course, the whole thing about airport hotels is that they are the most anonymous of places. People don't stay there because they want to be there. They stay there because they have to be there. They just want to get in, go to sleep, get up go. So how wonderful. I'm so pleased to hear that. But um, I have to ask, first question these days, of course, and we're speaking just as Gatwick Airport has ordered the cancellation of 180, 164 flights. Um, uh, what what uh, crises, cancellations, delays, diversions, disruptions did you have to endure? Well, before going, I, I remembered uh, our listener Rebecca Halpin's advice. Flexibility to change plans, if necessary, is important at the moment. You have to have a backup plan if your flight is cancelled. But I'm sorry to say I couldn't actually come up with a backup plan and, in fact, didn't really need one. I mean, to be honest, all was very fine until the very last step of the journey um, when our bus from Brixton um, uh, Tube Station up Brixton Hill uh, to uh, Streatham and our home um, didn't go up Brixton Hill because as often seems to happen, it was closed for some uh, burst water main. So, um, uh, so we had to go on a lengthy diversion, which added about 25 minutes to our journey. But other than that, absolutely amazing. I would count that as an absolute win uh, if, you, if that's all that happened. And Yansa itself, what did it have to offer? Uh, well, it had um, uh, very reasonable, rugged beaches, some nice walks, an absolutely gorgeous um, headland or promontory called Cap de Creus, uh, which is um, a protected landscape mm -hmm. now. It's um, uh, got a fair number of pine trees, but is mostly sort of rocks and scrub and um, sort of exciting views uh, and uh, fascinating bays and apparently inspired uh, uh, Dali. And there is an absolutely um, splendid walk uh, from Port Ligat, which is where Dali's extremely splendid house museum is, um, up the side of the uh, the mountain, up to a lighthouse. And the lighthouse, rather bizarrely for a lighthouse, boasts an extremely nice restaurant. I mean, you know, rustic, but very good fun, which was, uh, um, I believe, um, uh, founded by an Englishman 20 odd years ago and uh, actually sells curries, which is a rather odd <laughs> And, and, an odd thing to find in, in, and a, in a part of the world which has the most superb cuisine. Um, it must be a bit of an outlier. Did you actually have any curry or did you just note the fact that you could have done it if you wanted to? No, we noted the fact that we could have done and we had the, um, uh, the prawns, the um, sardines, very fresh and absolutely delicious, the Catalan um bread you know that sort of toasted bread with tomato and garlic on it uh, i had a sausage <laughs> called um called a butifarra which was um cooked on a grill and i cannot tell you what a lovely sausage it was um but you know i mean on the whole uh, that area is 
fairly low key. Steph and I went to look for some megaliths, um, uh, s- s- some dolmens. There are supposed to be quite a lot of them, but we only found one before it poured with rain. Um, and so I suppose really um, low key would uh, summarise the uh, the charms of Lianza and surroundings. And uh, it was maybe summed up by my <laughs> um, my attempted. Um, exploration to find a historic fountain. This is the heart of uh, the tiny Kostoprovan town of Yansa. It's the Plaza Mayor, Praça Mayor, uh, and pretty well everything worth seeing in Yansa is gathered together in one place which is quite good. Uh, In front of me there is the uh, Romanic Tower uh, which uh, is probably the tallest building in the place. Maybe slightly outstripped by the imposing massive church of um, St Vincent on my left. But um, the best thing is in front of me, an absolutely huge and um, lovely plane tree, which is right in the middle of the square. And it is called the Tree of Liberty. El Arbor de la Libertad, o Labra de Libertad. I gather it was planted in the 1870s. But there is one other thing which is absolutely worth seeing by all accounts, um, and that is the Fountain of Falco. And although I have a leaflet detailing how to get there, I can't for the life of me see how or to get there or indeed where it is, bizarrely enough. Um, but anyway, I'm, um, I'm going to go to the tourist office and see if I can uh, actually get any clarification. Hello, I have seen most of Yansa's sites apart from the, um, the fountain of Den Falco, is that the fa- Falco. Yeah. Falco? Falco, And um, whereabouts is it exactly on, on, on the map? Yeah. It's near the Sportivo. Ah, the, pa- the pavilion, the, the sporting sport. pavilion. Yes, ah, right. Near. Is it in the countryside? I mean, is it in the... In the mountain. Is it's... it in the mountain? So, yes. so what do I do? I go from here, that's okay. So I go down into the centre and then out to past the pavilion, and then is it a path up, up past there? Do you know how far it is? Is it very far? No. Okay, and it's just there, is it? Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I hope I can find it. Okay, okay thank, thank you, you and bye. goodbye. According to the assistant at the tourist office, fountain is in the woods. Uh, Do I fork right or left? A classic traveller's dilemma. Uh, Left, because I think it's going back to where I eventually want to be, but uh, I'm not really sure why there'd be a fountain here. There are some prickly pear plants with the most attractive purple fruit which um, I'm not going to be silly enough to uh, try
try and pick. So I'm going back to somewhere that I actually recognise now, which is a particularly uh, hideous pair of um, mobile phone masks. And they're quite close to where I want to end up, which is in a, a hilly suburb of Yansa called Calder Yop, where my home, well, for the next couple of days is. I've got a feeling that I might have missed the Twente, but well, I'll know for another time. Path is now extremely uh, treacherous and steep. Oh, so your great quest failed um, in the manner of, I don't know, looking for the Holy Grail. Something like that, yeah. Although I have actually <laughs> since found photographs of it, and I, I don't think it really matches the Holy Grail for um, uh, interest. And I probably won't go back to um, uh, try and make good my uh, mistake. And there was another mistake, actually. I, I mentioned a Romanic tower, and of course I meant Romanesque tower. Now on to our main event. Fast forward 30 years, and what might the big changes be in travel? What will there be more of, less of? Um, well, we started discussing this last week, um, and uh, you came up with space travel to speed up air travel, which I thought was quite interesting. You thought that planes uh, hadn't changed that much since 1970 and weren't going to change that much in the next 30 years because of the problem of finding a sustainable and lightweight fuel. And um, you poo-pooed my jetpacks for everybody, <laughs> but you talked about, is it VTOL? Um, E-VTOL, which e is... E-VTOL, um, yeah. Yes, electric vertical takeoff and landing cabs, effectively. And you can just about get away with this. The thing is that energy density for batteries is very low compared with good old-fashioned carbon, uh, hydrocarbons. And so if you've got very small, very light aircraft and you've got batteries, and they're not going very far, then you and I will simply be zipping around and forget the uh, bus to Streatham. You'll stride straight, straight out of the tube station and into your e-VTOL, which will drop you off in your garden. Oh, well, that's very good. Um, I also like your idea of the, um, I, I think, a sort of constant stream of self-drive cars, which um, would possibly replace trains well they'll probably need to at the uh, speed that hs2 is uh, is going <laughs> um but anyway um but i know we sent out a tweet to see if uh, listeners had uh, had any kind of uh, thoughts about uh, what might happen in the future and um, and have they uh, yes we've been asking specifically about destinations that we don't go to now but we could go to in 30 years time and davros actually came uh, uh, up with some very good selections suggestions here he touched on saudi arabia he said that uh, uh, this will become as popular as dubai in almost direct competition uh, he pointed out that uh, 
Pakistan appears to have miles of beaches that could become popular over time. And the western coastal countries of Africa might uh, also um, make an appearance because West Africa very much um, overlooked from a tourism point of view, apart from uh, Gambia and Senegal. Uh, We then had Richard Evans referring to climate change. So he was recommending a beach holiday in Greenland. Um, And social kindness. Here we are. Uh, It's great to travel into the fifth dimension until the rocket crew go on strike mid-return journey. And uh, he's speaking just ahead of uh, uh, the next rail strikes, of course, which which are on the 30th of September and the uh, 4th of October. Well, I think Richard Evans um, might actually already be a bit late. I mean, if we're talking about um, 2053, I noticed that Antarctica, I mean, rather than the Arctic, I know, but uh, it's just been announced today that a million square kilometres of the the ice uh, shelf um, uh, have actually been lost in the last year. So, I mean, there's not going to be anything left at all, is there, um, unless we um, get our act together. Uh, but those are really interesting suggestions, and thanks very much for them. But um, I'd like to ask you, Simon, what you think will be in the 2053 travel brochure. Um, uh, presumably, it, uh, it, it certainly won't uh, have uh, any paper, <laughs> and it will oh. possibly be projected onto your living room wall or maybe fed directly into your brain via an implant. <laughs> but um, Well, who knows? Um, just a tiny thing from Rotterdam. They've got a very nice tourist information deck, desk where you get off the uh, ship and you say, okay, well, can I have a map, please? And they say, no, here's a QR code, get it on your phone. We're not doing paper anymore. Um, There will be, I think, a lot more concern for the planet. There will be perhaps more um, so-called eco-resorts, but um, places which you don't necessarily have to fly halfway around the world yeah. to be impressed by how much rainwater they recycle. Um, there will be more comfortable camping. People call it clamping, which um, I think is a terrible name. And more to the point, I believe we will be wanting to get much more out of trips in terms of learning things, in terms of wellness, in terms of just enjoying music perhaps all these themed holidays that uh, will add an extra dimension but possibly not all the way to the fifth dimension um, as mentioned by social kindness yes i quite like the idea of a of a of, a, of music plus a holiday i remember um, talking to someone not that long ago who said <laughs> they'd been on a marvelous cruise and i said i thought that those two terms were mutually exclusive and they said that uh, it had been a, a country and western uh, cruise a c- country and western music uh, cruise and th- this person was particularly keen on country and western and said how nice it was to meet a, a lot of uh, uh, fellow aficionados and to um, be sort of chugging around um, somewhere in the southern United States, I suppose. Yeah, and I'm just hearing about a reggae ah. cruise where um, it set off from, I think, one of the uh, port in one of the American states where marijuana is legal, and therefore the whole thing was just a haze of marijuana smoke, I dare say, only outside. And uh, people, by all accounts, um, had a, a brilliant time. Um, and, uh, well, I guess if that floats your boat, then uh, very, very good luck to you. Yes, indeed. Well, along with um, 
eco, uh, I mean, one of the buzzwords of the last few years has been the kind of um, responsible tourism in which you try to give something back to the place that uh, you are visiting um, and uh, engaging properly with your host, not, I think, on an Airbnb kind of basis where um, you discuss where the best fish restaurant is or why there isn't a, <laughs> a cheese grater or something when you get there. But um, this would be a sort of proper meet the locals in two-way exchanges. Do you think there's any chance of that really taking off? Well, look, there are really good local initiatives. And I think they, I think they've been around for some years. Um, for instance, I'm speaking to you from East Yorkshire, where you might recall Hull was the UK City of Culture in 2017. And one of the enterprises then was to uh, bring volunteers in to say, we'll come and meet tourists, we'll spend time with them. And that, I think, is a really good trend because you find out much more. So, yes, we will be meeting the locals uh, more. And one thing which will make these exchanges much easier in countries where they don't happen to speak the same language as you is going to be instant translation. And well, as Dervler is about to outline, that could transform international understanding. AI-driven language translation tools can break down language barriers, allowing travelers to communicate more effectively in foreign countries. These tools can be integrated into mobile apps and devices, making travel more accessible and enjoyable. Yes, that's obviously a good thing, though. You won't be surprised to know that I find it alarming that foreign language skills are um, likely to be further eroded um, if actually you don't need to do anything uh, with your brain other than um, uh, just <laughs> turn on um, your uh, AI um, translator. But um, but presumably AI and tech advances um, are going to actually bring about some um, game-changing discoveries. So I'm going to ask Dervler, what else can AI bring to travel in the future? Artificial intelligence has the potential to revolutionize the travel industry in numerous ways, enhancing the overall travel experience for both tourists and businesses. AI can analyze vast amounts of data, including user preferences, booking history, and online behavior to provide highly personalized travel recommendations. This can include tailored destination suggestions, hotel and restaurant recommendations, and activity options, making trip planning more convenient and enjoyable. AI can help optimize travel routes and reduce energy consumption in transportation, contributing to sustainability efforts in the travel industry. AI-powered augmented reality and virtual reality applications can offer immersive experiences for travelers, such as virtual tours of destinations or historical sites, enhancing the overall travel experience. Bit of optimism there from Dervler. Not just will we have better tailored uh, travel experiences, but we will also be able to travel perhaps in a more sustainable way. And let's pick up on that point. Um, climate change. We've had wildfires. We've had floods. We've had all kinds of natural disasters. And I guess people are now looking at trends and deciding that maybe some places will become no-go areas in the summer. And naturally, after the summer that we've just seen, there are also questions around personal risk, um, insurance, um, which might actually increase the cost of going to places around the Mediterranean 
in high summer. Yeah, I'm sure that's possible. But I just just like to make, a, I suppose, a rather more negative point about uh, the um, constant um, increase in uh, in in IT. Uh, I suppose it's AI as well, and uh, indeed apps into the whole world of travel. Um, it is now becoming almost impossible to do uh, anything um, uh, without an app or without having a QR code uh, reader, which I actually find utterly infuriating. Um, uh, the fact that you actually go into a restaurant <laughs> and uh, say, yes. could I have a menu, please? And they say, oh, here's well, the QR code. Uh, I, I'm and afraid it's just the way of mad? the world. And, and I can see that people who perhaps don't um, have smartphones will grudgingly think, well, they've got to get hold of one. Uh, it's not ideal for older people, perhaps people with um, uh, disabilities. And so, yeah, it does seem very unfair. But on the other hand, it just makes everything so much easier for the provider. It cuts costs. It cuts cuts waste and therefore in general it's just i, I think it's just the natural way forward I, i'm sure a smartphone is a kind of um, interim device uh, just like um, anybody listening can remember the fax machine um that was uh, at one stage an absolutely critical <laughs> part of part of um uh, national and international communication so we'll, we'll get there it, yeah it will yeah. disenfranchise some people but it will enfranchise an awful lot of people by cutting costs by democratizing travel and making things um Possible. And I'll tell you what, uh, you and I are lucky enough to be heading off to the French Pyrenees. And we know that if you remember the olden days, the first time we went, for instance, to South America together, you would have this ridiculous paper ticket with 17 different bits, um, all of which could be stolen at a moment's notice. Now we're just going to wave a, 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 a code on our phones and then uh, step on board the luxury Ryanair jet. And one reason we're paying 25 quid each to get to Toulouse is because Ryanair have cut costs by not having a, an actual check-in person. And look, we're talking about the future here, but in, order, in terms of destinations, Costa Brava is, of course very accessible it's not you're not going to cause too much travel uh, too much damage getting there you're going to be spending your money with local businesses and that is happily back to the future because that was where mass package tourism began and you would fly into Perpignan airport you would be bussed across into spain because Girona airport didn't exist at that time i think you had to pay 50 pesetas um at the about uh uh, five shillings at the time to get across the border. And then then you were in, well, I have to say, Generalissimo Franco's um, Spain, but having the time of your life. Well, I have a feeling that in the future you will be going to the Costa Brava, but uh, you will be limited to one day in um, in Cadaqués uh, or uh, four hours in Barcelona because of the uh, sheer pressure on, uh, on all the services and um, the fact that there are just going to be far too many tourists once uh, some of the uh, larger 
countries in the world um, actually provide uh, a, a vast number of tourists to um, add to the vast number that we already provide. Oh, look, I've got to come back with that. I'm eternally optimistic, as always, and I think that these things are self-correcting. I completely agree with places like Venice, with Amsterdam, who want to kind of change the balance and actually use charges to uh, move things in favour of the local residents. But then it's just up to us travellers to discover new places. And I don't think Yansa is going to be overrun. And if it is, well, I'm going to find somewhere on maybe the Galician coast of uh, Spain, which isn't. So so it, it will. it's all going to be all right and we can report back in 2053. Well, thank heavens for that. And this brings me to my final 2053 scenario challenge. If you were lucky enough to be around to report on it for edition 1 million, million and 42 of our podcast what do you think you'd be saying about the summer just gone i'd be saying exactly the same as what i'm saying now which is oh gosh well millions of people got where they needed to be had a fantastic time uh, it were enriched by the experience enriched the host communities by going there but my goodness me we've really got to sort out uh, transport in this country from airports to railways and roads ah well as a glass <laughs> half empty person because normally i've just drunk the first <laughs> half of it i think i'd be sitting in an air conditioned room in Streatham, cursing the fact that I'd used up my carbon quota for the year and wouldn't be allowed to get on a plane till 2054. However, with Dervler or um, uh, the successor of Dervler's help, I would be visiting new parts of the world, talking to local people, even enjoying the local cuisine somehow, maybe in Pyongyang, for example. Well, yes, and I've got a, a an each-way bet that actually North and South Korea will be unified, well, let's say within the next 10 years, and we will be reporting from there. Uh, it would be terrific to hear other people's ideas on how travel is going to change. Of, of course, you can tweet us or send us a message on x it's the same thing at you should have bt or please leave an audio message for us um at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there but for now from the year 2053 from me simon calder and me mick webb goodbye goodbye and from me artificial dervla goodbye